and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Miracle. And today on the show, we're talking about how do you supercharge your investment property portfolio? How do you take it to the next level? Now, we've been running a survey. I think I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show over the last couple of weeks during the COVID-19 shutdown. And one of the questions we've been asking to, to people is, what do you want to learn more about? And there are a lot of investors out there who say, look, Ed, you talk a lot about first-time investors, but I've got two, three, four properties, however many, and I want to get more. But the banks stopped lending to me. They, I'm finding it really tough to get more money to go out and buy another house, even though I really want to. And typically it comes down to two things that people are saying in that survey. They either say, look, I'm light on equity now. I don't have enough deposit to go and get the next property, or I don't have servicing. I don't have the income uh, to be able to pass the bank's calculations, even if I think I could actually afford it in real terms. It's just that I can't pass the bank's calculation. So we're going to go through both of these today, and I'm sure this will be an ongoing topic now that we know there are so many people out there interested in it, um, about, well, how do you actually go about creating that extra equity or getting that extra servicing so that you can borrow and purchase and build your property portfolio. So let's go through this. Firstly, on the equity side, one of the things that we see reasonably often is investors with lots of their lending with the same bank. Now, this can restrict you from an equity perspective. And the way to solve that is by separating your mortgages out so that they're with different banks. Now, Andrew, talk us through how this works, because you use this a lot. Yeah, so one of the advantages of buying new in the current climate is that you need less deposit to buy that property. But the day that a property settles, it's considered old from the bank. So this is a really important consideration if you're looking at split bank or whether or not to do it all with one bank. So take an example of someone that has maybe 200000 worth of usable equity to buy a rental property. Now, if they're going to go and buy a new property for 500000 they're going to need to have a 20% deposit, so $100,000. So they're still going to have 100000 left in usable equity. That's the theory. However, if they do it with their bank, the day that it settles, the cross-security rules mean that when they go to borrow again, that new rental property is considered old, even if it's a day old. And therefore, it chews up another $50,000 worth of usable equity that day. So it's really important to separate those out. And again, you can still restructure things if you've already structured it with one bank. You can still move your investment lending uh, to another bank under the dollar for dollar refinance rules. So the banks are still allowing you to move 80% of your loan to another bank and separate that out from your owner-occupied property to free up that usable equity. Now, just you have to be very careful here because um, the dollar-for-dollar dollar rule has uh, some criteria and some caveats around it. One of them is that you're not um, you're not using the the exemptions to kind of um, trick your position, which is kind of what would be considered here. So you need to kind of think about this long term, and probably if you are splitting off your banks, um, you could expect the bank to maybe ask, 
whether or not you're intending to buy another rental property, uh, the answer to that um, hopefully would be no because you're not doing that at this stage, you're just separating, separating out your assets for protection and then that frees up that usable equity. So don't have all your eggs in one basket, it will be a major disadvantage to you if you want to keep that usable equity available and if you've got them all with one bank now, start spreading things out now before you go and buy a new property. Fantastic. Now of course tip number two is you can sell save and build up a cash deposit or pay down debt. Now we talked about how you might do this uh, for your owner-occupier home or you could actually use it for uh, an investment property as well in the previous episode so we won't go too far into that but you could save up a cash deposit, pay down some of your debt and that would create equity for you as well. Now tip number three is to restructure your portfolio. So you may have properties within your portfolio that the bank doesn't consider that it has as much equity within this or won't lend as much against this I should say. So it's got in effect a lower LVR requirement. Now these are typically apartments or Andrew what other sorts of properties might uh, the bank not lend as much against? Yeah, so one important consideration is how much will your bank lend on a particular type of asset. Now, depending on the size of the apartment might depend the maximum LVR that a bank will lend against it. So, for, And those rules change from time to time. So, for example, one bank might lend you 80% uh, or 70% if it's an existing rental uh, for a, say, 50 square metre apartment, whereas another bank might require it to be 55 square metres um, or else they'll only lend 50% or a lesser amount. And so it's really important to see that your bank gives you the maximum loan-to-value ratio on your asset type. Um, other examples uh, might be hotel um, or, or, or managed rentals. So, for example, um, sometimes banks will be uh, a lot stricter and only lend, say, 50% if, if you've got, say, an apartment within the Heritage Hotel. So there's a lot of those kind of investments still floating around. If you've got one of those, um, you, you maybe want to split that out to the bank that lends you the most on that and or, in some cases, get rid of it, which I think flows into next uh, its next one. Some asset or some investment types require so much usable equity. Sometimes things like bare land do that. You might only be able to lend 50% on bare land if you haven't got the intention and the ability to lend on that, uh, to build on that anytime soon. And so sometimes getting rid of it to expand your portfolio is the right thing to do. Um, and I've seen plenty of instances where people have these uh, investments in their portfolio which aren't really that great and they haven't gone up in value and they're a bit low to get rid of it because they're hoping it goes up in value. The time that it takes you for it to go up in value is prob probably going to limit you in terms of getting into the market now on some good deals. My advice is always to get rid of those um, or at the very least, as he says, structure it with another bank and, and try and free up your usable equity in the, in the good, solid investments. And that moves on to our next tip as well, which comes more over to the servicing side, but it's still restructuring your portfolio if you've got a property that takes up a lot of cash investment. So if it's so negatively geared and you're putting a lot of money into this property, that it's taking up income that you could put into other properties. So if you got rid of that one that's costing you a lot, you could potentially go and buy two properties. So you sell one in order to buy two. Andrew, talk us through to some of the details of when this situation might occur. Yeah, so I, I actually just uh, spoke with a client this week who, um, due to a sort of an unusual arrangement, they've ended up with a rental property, which is worth 
quite a lot of money, $800,000, but they're only getting a small amount of rent for it. Now, in this instance, there's um, there's a relationship situation, and so that's why they've done it, uh, and they're not going to be in a position to sell that anytime soon. But had that been a normal uh, a normal situation for a client where they were getting a really poor return on investment, my advice might have been to get rid of that so that then they can go out and buy something that's not such a drag in cash flow so they're able to expand their portfolio. And I've seen instances where people only have to sell one property to buy another five just because they've got such a cash flow drain on one property and by the bank, by the time the bank discounts the rent by 25% and increases the interest rate to the test interest rate, it holds them back so much and takes a great deal of income from their personal income uh, for, to, to be able to make that service on the bank's calculations. And similarly, that could be if you've, uh, you've turned your own home into a rental property. So say you're an expat listening to this working away in Singapore or Hong Kong or something like that, and you might have had a really nice property that you lived in, you bought, you loved living in it, um, but then you've gone overseas. Now, if you've got a tenant in there, if it is a really nice property, it's probably got a very poor yield on it. And in which case, that would be the situation where from the bank's servicing calculations, uh, it looks like it's a big drain on your cash flow. So if you were able to get rid of a property like that, you maybe improve your serviceability in order to buy more. Now, there are a couple of other things as well that you could do. Uh, in a normal market, uh, you might look to to get a higher paid job, uh, or if one partner is currently on leave, perhaps from a, uh, from a paternity or maternity leave, if you go back to work, you're able to get more income. Uh, if you can improve your personal financial position, that's obviously going to make serviceability a lot easier. But the other one as well uh, is debt consolidation. We talk about this a little bit, but I, the main th- reason I'm thinking about this at the moment is not necessarily the GEM credit card or a higher purchase or other credit cards. I'm more thinking about if you've borrowed uh, for a car payment. So you've got a car on finance and you might be paying 11% against that. If you consolidate that debt against your property portfolio, then you'll have a lower payment. You might go from 11% to 35 or 4%. That's going to decrease from the bank size the, the payment that you need to make or the minimum payment you need to make against that. And that's going to make your serviceability a bit easier. But obviously, the other thing, Andrew, and I want to talk to you about this, is getting higher yield properties in your portfolio so that improves your serviceability. Yeah, definitely. So uh, certainly with ring fencing coming into effect, uh, people are a bit more aware of what their portfolio is costing them on an annual basis. And so often what our model might be, uh, how it might differ now from previously, is that to add in a few more yield properties, which, yes, you sacrifice growth on that, generally speaking, but if you do have a high a higher yielding property in your portfolio, then that's going to improve your overall position in the bank size. So it might be that you get a couple of properties. Let's say you had a couple of investment properties in Portland and they might be costing you a bit of money. Let's try and find something now that might be, say, a Wellington apartment that might generate a good cash flow income that you can use to offset the cost of your other investments in Auckland, and then you might be able to expand your portfolio again. Uh, and that and that's really useful because you can kind of reset the clock a little bit by uh, having one, one offset the other, and then all of a sudden you're not needing to make as many top-ups, and so therefore the bank sees your income is available to service more investment there as time goes on. And actually just one thing I wanted to mention there, Edward, with the, with the um, consumer debt. Remember that 
Yes, if you add your car loan onto onto your mortgage, for example, you might you might also stretch out the payments for thirty years. And and whilst you don't want to be paying off a loan, a car loan over thirty years, what you're actually doing is you're increasing your overall payments to your personal mortgage, so you'd be in a better position anyway. Uh, but also, it brings that that coupled with a lower interest rate can bring down your repayments drastically to allow you to buy more investments. And as long as um, you know the the outcome is more significant than you know adding the car loan onto the mortgage, even even some of those interest free loans that people get caught up getting a few of them, if you can reduce those payments from say fifty dollars a week down to you know three dollars a week that has a major impact on your ability to service any future investments. And the same goes for credit cards. Even if you pay your credit card off in full every month, the bank still takes the limits into account. So if you don't need a 50 grand limit, maybe reduce it to 10, reduce it to five, or get rid of it altogether. If you don't need it and buying another investment is more important, let's look at getting rid of those now, buying some investments and just using a a debit plus visa or something like that. Fantastic. Well, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Of course, because this sort of topic has been so popular, we will be talking about it more in the future. And hey, if you want to be able to run some more numbers and see where your position is, why not come along to our webinar, which is this Tuesday, 21st of April at 7pm, where Andrew's going to be exposing his spreadsheets and showing you how to run the numbers on an investment property. I'm going to drop a link to that in the show notes. So tap or swipe over that cover art. It'll take you right there. Or just head along to the Opus website, opuspartners.co.nz. You can sign up there. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.